You're listening to the Lompoc Foursquare Church Podcast. You know, last week we had you fill out the cards. No joke. You did good. Really. Uh, I'm going to read some of them. Now, they're 10 words or less, and uh, you'll, well, some are more than 10 words. I'm thankful that God loves me at all times. Good? You you could say, like, yeah, good, bad. I'm thankful for God's provision. I'm thankful I live in America in the most beautiful area in the world. Carol and Jan, good to see you. This this lumpbook's still better than Phoenix. (laughs) And we're, we're, we're cooler today. I don't know. But, you know, the truth is, everybody comes back to Lompoc, whether to live again or just to visit. So good to see you guys. Love you so much. I'm thankful for my family, my health. Uh, I'm thankful for all that God provides for me. I am thankful my daughter survived cancer. I am thankful for this church and Pastor Bernie. I wrote that. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Hey, through all the ups and downs of life, God has been with me and my family. Here's somebody that took it literally. Ten words. They have one through ten. And it says, for salvation, for family and friends, for a great church, for my health, for all my grandchildren, for my husband who stays with me, (laughs) okay, for my home, for his word, for worship, and for freedom. I am thankful for President-elect Donald Trump. What? Okay. By the way, everything goes forward. He's going to be your president. Better learn to be thankful. Thankful that I live and work and worship in the Lompoc Valley. I'm thankful that I am able to receive all of God's love. I am thankful for Lompoc Foursquare Church, where recently I met Jesus Christ. Hmm. I am thankful. Yeah, that's good. I am thankful for my family, for Jesus, for food, for grace, for mercy, for freedom to worship. I am thankful for my sobriety. That's good. I'm thankful for my family and God. A lot of people are thankful for their family. I'm thankful that no matter what, through the dark times I've been through, the Lord has always been there with me and brought his light into my life. I'm thankful for Jesus and a Savior who died for my sins. Uh, Then this person wrote here, I am thankful for family, the love of God, all my blessings, for my grandkids, my great-grandkids. Obviously, I can't count because it was 10 words or less. So anyway, these are good things. And the verse that we saw in the video is one I want to start with today. Very familiar. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18, it says, rejoice, always pray, how? Continually, and what? In all... Oh, come on. Somebody said, you know, I want to go to church and get challenged. These pastors never challenge me. Give thanks in all circumstances. If that's not a challenge, I don't know what is. For this is God's will for you huh? in Christ Jesus. So you want to know what God's will is? It's to be thankful. Ephesians 5 tells us to make music in our heart to the Lord and always give thanks to God and the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the church 
at Colossae, I love the Apostle Paul. He writes these words, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs of the Spirit, singing to God with, with gratitude in your hearts. So if you don't have a grateful heart, a gratitude heart, you cannot be a thankful person. For thankfulness is the outflow of a grateful heart, a heart that has just positioned itself and determined, I will be grateful, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving, giving what? Come on, it's okay. Oh, next slide. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> giving thanks to God, the Father, through Him. Gratitude is a choice. Gratitude is a choice. And I want to tell you that more gratitude will not come from more acquisitions, but from an awareness of God's presence and God's goodness. Now, some people think if they get more stuff, they'll just be happy. You ever watch Entertainment Tonight or read People magazine or, or look at posts in the newspaper where people have everything imaginable and yet they're not grateful. I was like 16 years old, and, and I, I heard this rock and roll star being interviewed, and sorry if you don't like the Rolling Stones, but I grew up liking the Rolling Stones, sorry. And, uh, you know, Jagger moves like Jagger because he is Jagger, and, and he looked in the camera with, with his big lip, and, it, and <laughs> I won't try to impersonate him, that would be rude. But he said this, you know, I have all this stuff, and, and we travel the world. And that year, like two years ago, like they're 71, and two years ago, the highest grossing band entertainers in the world. And back then when I was 16, I, I really liked them. I'd only been known, knew the Lord about two years, and, and so I, I was like listening to the theology of Jagger. And here's what he said. You know, we, we have the mansion, and we have the recording studios, and we have the jet, and we have everything. And he looked in the camera, and he said, and I'm not happy. And I thought to myself, man, you, you pack out stadiums, and people buy your stuff, and, and shirts with the big tongue, and all. I mean, really? And it dawns on us that, that we're so in this world, and, and when you think about Thanksgiving and, and Black Friday and flat screen TVs on sale and all the things people are going to start doing this time of year to get ready for the Advent season to welcome Christ, the King, and all the busyness of life, and everything revolves around, I know you know this, everything revolves around just getting more stuff, but let me just remind you the enemy's attack to your soul. It's to have you to be discontent. It's to have you move away from gratitude into dissatisfaction. You know, you read the Bible, you, you come to the, the verse of, of Adam and Eve in the garden, they've got everything going for them, and God said, I've got one rule. Just, I mean, come on, one rule. Don't eat one tree. That's it. And the devil slithers in, I'm just going to paraphrase, and he says, look, look, God's withholding from you. You deserve more. Jump over the fence, go grab the fruit, and life will be better for you. Then you fast forward the tape. Many of you have heard me talk about this before, but you fast forward the tape to the very temptation of Jesus. 40 days, he's been fasting, and he's in the wilderness. 
And the devil comes to me, to, to him, and says, if you are the son of God, command these stones be made bread, and I will give you all this. By the way, he owned it all already. But the devil comes, Genesis 3, and, and, and the devil comes right after Jesus is baptized. This is my beloved son. And he tempts him at the point of his identity, who he is, and he tempts him with, with what he possesses. He's trying to get him to be discontent. And when the devil can get you to be discontent, and he can get you to be ungrateful and unthankful, then your heart and your mind will be his playground. And he'll throw stuff in front of you that will tempt you to go after things that will leave you without any happiness in your heart. Gratitude is a choice, and thanksgiving is the expression of gratitude from our hearts. I love what John Ortberg writes. I, he summarized my feelings so well. I want to share it with you. He said that gratitude is the ability to experience life as a gift. Don't you want to just stop there? By the way, somebody else was asking to be challenged. <laughs> be thankful in all circumstances and see life as a gift. It opens us up to wonder, to delight, to humility. It makes our hearts generous. It liberates us from the prison of self-preoccupation. Gratitude is not something we give to God because he wants to make sure we know how much trouble he went to over us. But gratitude is the gift God gives us that enables us to be blessed by all his other gifts. The way our taste buds enable us to enjoy the gift of food, without gratitude, our lives degenerate into envy, dissatisfaction, and complaints, taking what we have for granted and always wanting more. Does anybody want to say, ouch? Come on. Good. <laughs> I'm grateful for your ouch. Thank you. See, when, when we step back from being grateful, when we step back from being grateful, our lives degenerate into envy, dissatisfaction, complaints. By the way, envy has a cousin named jealousy. They come together in pairs. Taking what we have for granted and always wanting more. You want to raise your hand like me and say, God, help me to be grateful. Help me to be grateful in all things. See, ingratitude makes our hearts grow smaller and harder and colder day after day. Do you remember the first day of school? Maybe your first day at kindergarten or your first day in first grade or your first day in middle school or your first day at high school and you had new clothes and you were going to go see Mr. or Mrs. fill in the blank, your favorite teacher's name. I mean, you were just, you were looking good. And you had your notebook with all the little tabs because you were going to be organized. Day one, you were organized. Day two, pretty organized. Huh? Or back in my day, if you're old enough, you remember we had peachy notebooks. And we spent more time coloring in the athletes on the front of the peachy, right? The tennis player, the swimmer, the runner. Uh, we spent more time doing that than we did actually working with the peachy following our assignments. We had a lunch pail. Anybody had a lunch pail? And then it got dinged up. And then we left the milk in it over the weekend. The milk got sour. Come on. Milk got sour. The backpack got lost. You know, day one, any place is great. Like day one at the job. 
People come in early. They're there before the boss is there. They're ready to go day two, day three, day four, day five. They're grateful. God, thank you for this job that thou hast provided for me. <laughs> and then later on, a sense of entitlement hits. and You don't make enough money at the job. and You're not really happy with the way the boss treats you. And, you know, your office doesn't have a window. And, or your truck that you drive, you know, the gears are <laughs> sticking. And, or your computer's slower than anybody else's in the shop. Huh? Or there's one person, you get a 30-minute lunch break, and, and they just, they never seem to come back after theirs. And, and envy and jealousy comes in. It's kind of like marriage. Anybody married here? Anybody? Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. You know? Whoa. Whoa, dude, my wife. Whoa. And then you get married, and honeymoon's over, and a couple months in, and, and then you start saying, oh, instead of whoa. <laughs> and about year five, which they say is one of the toughest years, five and seven, you're not saying whoa, you're not even saying oh, you're saying no. <laughs> what happened? And it's a sense of discontent. Now, I'm going to say something. Some of you aren't going to want to hear it, but I'll tell you anyway. I think the devil loves us to get discontent in relationships, especially in those that we have vowed to keep, like marriage. Well, my, my wife's not what she used to be. My husband's not what he used to be. And there's a, there's a discontent. It's not a holy discontent for more of God. It's an unholy discontent. God can even do it with church. You go to church for a while. Ooh, it's great. Ooh, they got lights here. Look, look, the backdrop matches the backdrop. Oh, look, somebody actually by hand did all that chalk work. Wow, isn't that great? They put rocks up there. Oh, that's cool. And two weeks later, ah, same old stuff, man. Pastor B, same old guy, you know. Pretty soon you get discontent. You know, kids' ministries, man, it's not what it used to be, you know. Pretty soon, it's like the band, that's a, they play that, do they play that song every week we come, honey? I think so, it's the only one they know. <laughs> you know, we have people that go to church here that go to five churches, I've asked them. Which means they're not spiritual, which means they're not committed to any of the five. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't want to hear that, <laughs> you know. They ask you to sign up for something. Well, I don't sign up because I go to five churches, man. I'm like too busy. I can't commit anywhere. And you can get discontent with your government. You can get discontent with, 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 with police and firemen. You can get discontent. There's a, there's a sense in our country of we know more than someone else knows. We could do the job better. A discontent. But here's what I'd like you to, to, to know, to expand your heart's of gratitude. Number one is that we would learn to appreciate imperfect gifts. It's kind of a weird point, isn't it? But I was really thinking about how do we become grateful people? We have to learn to appreciate imperfect gifts. If you're here this morning and you're bold enough to raise your hand, I'm going to ask you this question. Who here 
has a perfect body in every way. Raise your hand. Raise your hand, because we're going to slap your hand. Who's, who's here that has a perfect body? You know you don't. You look in the mirror, and you, you guys here are you're so young. You know, everything's perfect, you know. When you get older like me, things change. Just thought I'd tell you that. Who has a perfect house? Who has perfect clothes? Who has a, who's ever gotten, gone to get your hair cut, and you walked away with the perfect haircut? I mean, perfect. You get a microscope, we're going to check every hair, every follicle to make sure everything's perfect. If something's not perfect, we're going to, you ever go have a meal, everything's perfect? Nah. Nothing is perfect in life except for God and his spirit and his word. Nothing else is perfect. Nothing else. See, we're fallen people living in a fallen world. We are imperfect beings surrounded by imperfection, and we must learn to be grateful anyway. But I want my life to be like this or like that. You're going to be wanting a long time. Long time. I received a letter a few years ago from a single mom in our church. And I filed it, and I'm so glad I didn't lose it because it fits today. She just wrote, Pastor Bernie, I've been learning about being thankful. I've learned to thank God for what's called the basics. I thank him for the ability to see my sight. Because every morning when I take my two sons to school, I see the paintings of God around me. I thank him for allowing me to have two hands and two feet. I thank him for these things because I know there are people without the basic gifts for which often I have taken them for granted. I thank God for a roof over my head and And for two boys who rarely get sick, yes, I complain at times, my feet ache, my back hurts, sometimes I don't have enough money to pay for this or that, and the list goes on, but almost always I'm reminded that somewhere someone would be not just content, but overjoyed just having the imperfect life that I have. They would be grateful just to have the basics. So here's the myth, that perfect circumstances somehow produce lasting joy. If this happens, then I'll be happy. If that happens, then I'll be happy. But in the words of the great theologian Mick Jagger, you can have it all and and not be happy. Sometimes imperfections, and and I'm fighting this in in my life, because I like things to be just right and, and just nice. So I have to fight this a lot. But, but let's say your kid makes the bed for the first time, and you know what? They make the bed, and, and the sheets are hanging out below the bottom of the, the comforter or the bedspread, right? You could focus on that, or you could say, good job for making the bed the first time. Your husband, ladies, he's not a cook. He's not a cook, and he tries to make rice for dinner, and it's one clumpy, stucky ball of burned rice. Come on. Huh? Or your friend brings you a hot drink and it's lukewarm when you get it. Or you drive an imperfect car. Or you look in the mirror and you see you are wrinklier, prunier, (laughs) lumpier (laughs) than last year. I resemble that remark. 
And when your health is not good, but you have a good doctor, you need to be grateful for that because we're called to rejoice always. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18, and continually give thanks in all circumstances. Now, researchers have concluded that people that are grateful have a lower gratitude threshold than people that are ungrateful. What do I mean by a low threshold is they get grateful over the smallest thing. They look at their life and they say, I am going to choose to be grateful. Now, by the way, my wife's here, so I have to be totally honest. And then God is here, I have to be doubly honest, right? I mean, I, I'm working on this. This is hard. Because you, you, you all have a level of, if, if, if it's here, if it goes over this bar, then, then we're going to have a celebration. But, but, but how about just lowering the bar when it comes to being grateful? Not everybody that you know liked your Facebook post, and not everybody that there was a party and you didn't get invited, right? And you were promised a promotion and you didn't get it, and your whole life can crumble because of that. How about we just, we just stop, and this, this is for all of us, okay? And those of you watching online in your furry slippers at home right now, drinking a hot latte or something, right? That we, we just say, God, I'm going to learn to be grateful for the gift of this day. I'm going to learn to be grateful for the breath that you've given me, for the freedom that I enjoy, for the fact that I can drive down 8th Street and there's a million and a half places for food. And I don't have to fight, you know, I don't have to, you know. And even if I'm, I'm, I'm under-resourced, I can get fed every day in the city of Lompoc by a different church. We do ours on Monday night. And if I don't have any place to go, I can go to the parish hall at the Catholic Church, La Purissima, on Thanksgiving Day, and all of the Lompoc Community Kitchen people, including our folk, are there to serve a meal. And I can get food commodities here, and I can get stuff there, and I can get people to give me a hand up. I mean, we have so many resources. If I'm dealing with drug addictions, there's great counseling in our community. We have Celebrate Recovery here. If you want to go out to the ocean, just drive out ocean. That's why it's called ocean. Well, technically, pastor is 246. See, that's because you're ungrateful. You, you, you know, I got it. See, some people are hard of hearing and some people are hard of thinking. And it takes a gift of epic proportion to move your soul to gratitude. It's like, well, that song wasn't that great. Pastor P was singing up there banging on the conga drums, right? See? People who have grateful hearts have developed a low threshold of gratitude. They've learned to appreciate even imperfection. The second thing is learn to appreciate times of difficulty. Now, I was writing this sermon about gratitude. I'm going, you know what? I, I got to tell it like it is. We have to learn to appreciate times of difficulty. Somebody going, what, what did he say? Because it's easy to have our gratitude and our choice to be grateful to turn into discontent because things didn't go the way we wanted and the person promised us something and they didn't come through and on it goes. We have to, catch this down, write this somewhere in your notes if you're a note taker, just we have to recalibrate our hearts. Recalibrate our hearts. It's an adjustment that needs to be made. If you've ever had a tool that needed an adjustment or a car that needed an adjustment, and if those adjustments aren't made, things don't work right. So we have to come to God and his spirit 
And I want to give you a homework assignment this week. It's Philippians chapter 4. It's real easy. Just go to Philippians 4 this week and read it. And write down a few things. One of the verses is Philippians 4.4. Always be full of joy in the Lord. And I say it again, rejoice. Always be full of joy in the Lord. This is Paul the Apostle writing to us from a prison cell. And he's saying, I am going to choose to bless God in all of my circumstances. And by the way, I know that's in your notes. You should just circle that word always, always, always. And then underline, be full of joy. Always be full of joy. It means don't worry about anything. He's going to tell you that in Philippians 4 if you do your homework and read that. And just write down some things that you learned about being grateful this week. That you would have a heart that wouldn't worry about anything. You know what worry is? It's stewing without doing. All right. Thank you, Rick Warren. That was his quote. It's stewing without doing. Worry is a learned response. No one was born a worrier. No one was born ungrateful. It's a learned response. And once you start living it, it becomes habitual where you can't get out of the groove. I mean, you can have the best thing happen in your life. Two seconds later, you're complaining because something wasn't perfect or you're going through a difficult time. Again, I'm preaching this to myself. Debbie, I'm preaching this to myself. <laughs> Jesus said, Matthew 6, 34, do not worry about tomorrow because there's enough people worrying about it already. Why add to the mess? Pray about everything, he says in Philippians 4. Instead of worrying, use your time for praying. And then he tells you in Philippians 4 what things to think about. Some of you would do well to just write this down in Philippians 4 this week. What should I be thinking about? So in the middle of like a bad time, a disaster even, we just we stop and thank God anyway. Uh, let me read you this letter. Dear Mom and Dad, I have so much to tell you about, first because the fire in my dorm room that was started by the student riots, <laughs> I've experienced a lung condition. I had to go to the hospital. And while I was there, I met this orderly. We fell in love. We were soulmates immediately. I dropped out of school when I found out that, well, I'm pregnant. Then he got fired because of his drinking problem. So we're going to move into his parents' house in Alaska where we might get married after the birth of the baby. And it was signed, your loving daughter. But there was a PS. Said none of this really happened, but I did flunk my chemistry course. <laughs> and I wanted to help you keep things in perspective. Come on. <laughs> so we need to learn <laughs> to, we need to learn to be to, to to appreciate even the anxious times. And by the way, that's a very smart kid, smart letter. Wish they would have applied that same brilliance to their chemistry uh, test. Number three, learning to express gratitude openly and often. Express it. You feel like you want to say to somebody, thank you, then write them, then text them, then email them, then let them know. And when you feel like, God, I need to say thank you, I need to just stop long enough. We call it the pause that refreshes long enough to say, God, I want to thank you today. Don't wait to feel thankful before giving thanks. That's why it's called, what, what, what's Thursday called? Thanksgiving, not thanks feeling. Huh? 
If I feel like giving thanks, I'll give thanks. And I know, I'm looking around. Some of you are going through some stuff. How about just pausing and just, God, I'm going to give you thanks. See, people with grateful hearts are people who have trained themselves to notice God's blessings, blessings that are all around them all the time. I think we could say that ingratitude is goodness blindness. We don't see goodness around us. There's goodness everywhere. There's kindness everywhere. There are thankful people everywhere. I read your cards. Amazing. And number four, learn to grow in your devotion to worshiping. Uh, today we had communion, and, and I wanted to have communion today because we do this in remembrance of Jesus. We give thanks to God in remembrance of Jesus. Psalm 136. It's a great psalm. I'm just going to read a couple of the verses. It says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His what? His love endures how long? Forever. Give thanks to the God of gods, his love. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, his. Give thanks to the God of heaven. This psalmist, Psalm 136, is telling us to give thanks to God. This is what is called the Hallel. It's a word for hallelujah. It means to to give praise, and when they say Yah on the end, it's it's short for for Yahovah, for God. It's it's praise the Lord. Many of you know in every language, hallelujah means praise the Lord. And this word give thanks, literally in the Hebrew, means to gratefully acknowledge or to thankfully express. To gratefully acknowledge or to thankfully express. God, I gratefully acknowledge this beautiful day. I I gratefully acknowledge these great people that came to church today. I gratefully acknowledge those who weren't going to be here but came anyway. Thank you, God. I gratefully acknowledge those who had to round up the kids like herding cats this morning and find the shoes. They couldn't find Billy's shoes this morning. They're looking somewhere. Billy lost his shoes. It always happens on Sunday morning. Can't find his shoes. I gratefully acknowledge our team that helped us today to lead us in worship. I I, I thankfully express to you, God, my my wonderful wife Debbie and my and my kids, Jamie and Brian, and my grandkids, you know, Kylie and Peyton, and my my daughter-in-law, Stephanie, and and I I, I acknowledge my parents, Max and Lita, and, and I acknowledge, and you just go through the list. And you start calibrating your heart to be thankful. And you hear yourself audibly. Somebody says, well, I just meditate all this stuff. It's okay. But it's not as good as you hearing yourself. God, I acknowledge the wonderful people that serve our community. I acknowledge people who care for others. No one else can make you grateful. Did you know that? And no one else can make you ungrateful. Well, pastor, if you were married to my husband, well, you choose to be ungrateful. No one, think about this, no one else can make you grateful and no one else can make you ungrateful. It's you. It's me. It's our choice to say, I will give thanks, not just this week. I will give thanks, Lord, even if the turkey is dry. Or the ham is dry. I'll give thanks if somebody brings me tamales and there's no meat inside them. 
I think that's a travesty. That should be a violation of all things Hispanic. Oh, pastor, you ever had a sweet tamale? Yes. I don't like them. I like meat inside. Don't bring me any tamales, please. I said that one year, tamales, and I got bags of tamales. And I had masa up to here, you know what I mean? But Lord, I choose to be thankful today. I choose to be thankful for all that you've done. I choose to be grateful and start saying that. Lord, I've not been thankful like I should be. I've not been grateful. That boy in my class drives me nuts, Lord. Well, rejoice anyway in all circumstances. Yeah, but my life, you know, wasn't too long ago I, I sent somebody a note just to say thank you for who you are. Thank you for your contribution to our community. I'm praying for you. I got a note back. Thanks for your note. And the rest of the note was complaining. I see that you're thankful. I'll try to be thankful too, but I really can't be thankful because all this stuff's going on in my life. And I thought, Lord, what did I do wrong? And I heard that little whisper, their heart, their heart has no gratitude. Their heart has no gratitude. So here's my prayer for you, because I've gone beyond time. Let's give thanks this week. Let's, let's look at Philippians 4. I'll be reading it. You read it too. Let's write down what God gives us from that wonderful passage of Scripture. And what would it take, what would it take for you to recalibrate your heart? Some of you are going, oh, I'm a real grateful person. How about you kick it up a notch and become more grateful, all of us. Amen? Thank you for listening to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. To find out more about Lompoc Foursquare Church or to watch us live online, please visit mylfc.com.